great to see you today. We're going to get the house lights on so I can see your smiley faces. Ah, I love the delayed reaction. It's beautiful. You have a good week? Uh, a couple in this church had a great week this week, I think, right down here on the third row. Uh, Stephen Coxon and uh, Christy Holly, right? Am I allowed to say this? I never got permission. I've done it anyway, so... <laughs> Thank uh, you. You popped the big question last night, isn't that right? Let's give them a big hand. Amen. We had a great week. Well, we love you guys. I don't know if I have permission, but I did it anyway. I should have asked you there. Sorry about that. Uh, you, have a good, you have a good week. Really good week. I had a pretty good week. It was actually a really good week. How many of you, how many of you have lived in Central Florida for more than a year and have not gone to one of the major theme parks? All right. You lived, you lived in Central Florida, and you never gone to Universal Studios. Anybody never been to Universal Studios? Okay. All right. You've lived in Central Florida for more than a year, and you've never been to Disney World. All right. Okay. All right. Well, for over 14 years, I'd never been to Universal Studios. And, and there's a little story behind it, because, you know, Universal Studios is known for what? The rides, right? Lots of rides. And me and rides, it's kind of like, I mean... I can look at a merry-go-round. Just look at the merry-go-round. It's like, whoa, I don't know. I don't know about that ride. That's, that's a big one for me. But I ventured ahead. I went with my family, and uh, we went this last Thursday. The first time to university. And it was, what's that? Oh, Friday, one of those days. So you have to have your wife to help keep the story straight in the front row. So we went Friday, and first ride, man, I braced myself, kept my eye. You know, you do all the things you're supposed to do, right? You keep your eyes open. You've got a little coke there to keep your stomach settled. Not too bad, second ride. I don't know if it was the third ride, the fourth ride, or the fifth ride, but wow. <laughs> All i got to say is TMI. I won't say anything else. I prayed. I asked God to save me again. <laughs> I hung under the porcelain god in the bathroom. I mean, I just, oof, that was rough. Hey, we're in a series entitled Holy Spirit in You. Holy Spirit is in You. The Holy Spirit is in you today, and he does make our life better. The Holy Spirit makes our life better. He makes us better dads. He makes us better men. He makes us better wives. He makes us better mothers. He makes us better children. He makes us better students. The Holy Spirit in us makes us better because he's not just better. He's the best. He's God himself, and he lives in us. And the first week I talked about the Holy Spirit in you. What happens when you become born again, you accept Christ, and you have a changed life? And then the second week, Pastor Glenn spoke on the infilling of the Holy Spirit. What it means to be baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit. It's an incredible message. And last week, I talked about gifts that the Holy Spirit gives. And I didn't go through all the gifts, but I did talk about motivations or ways that the Holy Spirit gives us and wires us and enables us to serve and to be a blessing to others so we can fulfill the plan of God for our life. This morning, I want to talk to you about how to walk in the Spirit. How to walk in the Spirit. Your Bibles, I want you to turn to Galatians chapter 5. A couple of things that I need to mention just as a good pastor today. I need to mention to you that in two weeks from this Sunday, we have our men's annual stakeout. And a good friend of mine, Pastor Jeff Knight from the Seattle, Washington area, he's not only a NASCAR race car driver, but he also pastors a mega church, will be with us. And he has an incredible story. Is an incredible story of the grace of God in his life. You're not going to want to miss it. And what we do at these men's stakeouts is that we, we make this kind of a, this is an event for guys to bring their friends, their coworkers. You know, you got a buddy at work that thinks religion's a bunch of whatever, and 
you know, maybe your next door neighbor, or you got someone that you know that you know is not right relationship with God. They walked away from the Lord. We make these events available to men so they can hear the story of God's amazing grace. And we have a great meal, steak, and all that kind of stuff, and some drawings and some prizes. And I would really, really encourage men for you to attend this. Wives, I would encourage you to encourage your men to go to this. It's a great, great time. And uh, I, ha- I do have uh, one free ticket that I want to I want to give to one man here. I want to give. So if you want this ticket, I'm going to close my eyes, and you've got to come here and take it out of my hand, okay? One ticket. <laughs> ah! <laughs> All right, Mike, good job. All right, now, Mike, you've got to buy a ticket for someone else and bring someone with you. All right. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, beginning with verse number 1. We're going to read verses number 1. And uh, then we're going to jump down to verse number 13. Could you stand with me this morning in honor of the reading of God's Word? Galatians chapter 5, beginning with verse number 1. And the Bible says it is for freedom. Everyone say freedom. That Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened by a yoke of slavery. Now, we don't do yokes and we don't technically have slavery in our country. Now, there's slavery all over the world, but, but, but I want you to hear this today. Stand firm and do not let yourselves be burdened by a yoke of slavery. Now, I want you to turn down to, look down to verse number 13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify, gratify or satisfy the desires of the flesh. Or the NIV says the sinful nature. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit. And the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. So that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. The works of the flesh are obvious. The word flesh there, sarke in the Greek, means the sinful nature. And they're obvious. Just obvious. It's not like, you know, Miley Cyrus. I had someone debating with me whether what Miley Cyrus was doing this last week was wrong or not. I'm like, you've got to be kidding I mean, you got to be, are you serious? But they were really, and they were angry and mad and calling me all kinds of names and whatever. But the acts of the sin, the acts of the flesh, they're obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, uh-oh, discord, uh-oh, jealousy, ooh, fits of rage, selfish ambition, Dissensions, religious dissensions, separated into religious parties and being against other people because they don't believe like me. Dissensions, factions, envy and drunkenness and orgies and the like. And on and on and on and on and on. That's what he's saying. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But look at verse number 22. But the fruit of the Spirit. Everyone said the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness or meekness, faithfulness and gentleness. 
and self-control. Against such there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified or killed the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying one another. Let's pray. Lord, your grace is truly amazing. Thank you that we've experienced your presence here today. Thank you for the opportunity to worship you spirit and truth, and for the generosity of your people. We do celebrate, Lord, this service right now. Those who are going to be baptized, Lord, in just a few moments, taking the next step in their, in their walk with you, I bless them today. Bless their families today. Bless their homes. Let the peace of Christ dwell with them. Father, I pray today that your spirit that's here would open our hearts to hear and to receive the truth of your word. And give me the grace one more time just to tell it like it is. Jesus, in your mighty name, amen. You may be seated. Here's my big idea today. Here's my big idea. And I always try to have a big idea. One concept I want you to get today. The Holy Spirit is given to us so that we might experience all of God. All that God intended for man in the beginning. In the beginning, He created Adam. He was perfect. He was without sin. He walked with God. He talked with God. He was in right relationship with the Lord. The Holy Spirit is given so that we might experience all of God. All that He intended for us in the beginning wholly filled and flooded with God Himself in order that we might live free. Everyone say, live free. I mean, isn't it the quest of the human heart to live free? A couple, uh, about a year and a half ago or so, you know, they had this uh, texting thing and I ran and all these people were wearing, wearing these yellow flowers. It was, or, or these yellow badges. And we just spread all over the country. And there was this calling out for the dictator to be overthrown. We saw in this revolution in Egypt, this con- con- constant, continual turmoil in Egypt over the last couple of years as they've turned over one despot for another despot, another, you know, just because there's this human quest to be free. Patrick Henry said, give me liberty or give me death. Give me freedom or give me death. Now, freedom in the American concept is a beautiful thing. Freedom is incredible. Freedom has given us the ability this morning to gather together and assemble with people from every kind of background, every kind of religious background, racial background, social economic background, gender, age. I mean, freedom in this country has given us the ability to worship God. I mean, this country was founded on that. I mean, it wasn't founded on the concept of freedom from God. It was freedom to worship God in how we choose and how we manage. So we have all kinds of expressions how people worship God. But it's a, we, we see it as a basic right. We see the right of freedom of speech to say what we want to say. You can't go every place in the world and say what you want to say. One of my fellow pastors right now in Iran is in prison for saying what the government said he couldn't say. And he just simply said that Jesus has come so that you can live free. That's what he said. He's in prison for that. Too. You can't say what you want to say all over the world. In our life today, in our world today, we produce the greatest economic engine, the greatest sense of freedom the world has ever known. Because there were these men a couple hundred years ago believed in this concept of individual freedom. The problem with individual freedom, if it doesn't have responsibility, it runs off the track. It runs off the track. And so what is set out to be freedom in our culture has actually become bondage and slavery to so many. Bondage, because you are free to basically go, to do, to say, whatever you please and whatever you feel. And Paul says you're free, but you are not free to live any way that you want to live. This is always the issue. It's always the issue. 
for so many in our culture today, it's almost a freedom or a license just to say, God, off my boat, I want to live the way I want to live. And that's our culture today. It's exactly where we're at. And the challenge is, is that mindset creeps into the church. That kind of concept of freedom is, well, hey, I can do whatever I want to do. You know, God, He forgive me. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's true. God does forgive. But we have a choice to make. We have a choice to make. And in Galatians chapter 5, verse number 1, it is for freedom that Christ has come. About 500 years ago, there was a man by the name of Martin Luther. He was a Catholic monk, and, and he had this understanding. He had tried to be good. He tried to do all the right things. He tried to live by rules and regulations that the church had set out, and he found it was a complete failure. Inside, he was still dead. Inside, he was still powerless. Inside, he still felt like there was something missing. And finally, one day, he was reading this scripture, Galatians chapter 5, verse number 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set me free. He said, that's what Jesus has come to do, to set me free. And then he began to read the rest of the text. And what it was is from rules and regulations and ceremonies and certain special days that people said would make them holy. If you do it all just right. No, he had a glimpse that there was more. There was more to a relationship with God. Therefore, he wrote his 95 Theses and he nailed them to the door of Wittenberg. And today, the whole world has been radically changed. The whole world has experienced freedom in a way that they never knew. They never knew up to that generation because one man had a revelation of true freedom through Christ. Freedom. This idea, this concept, this longing for freedom in the human heart. You see, the goal of the Holy Spirit in every person here today is for you to live free. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. The goal of the Holy Spirit in every believer's life is for you to live free. To live free. To live free. I love it. I love freedom. I love the ability to do what I want, what I want to do. But when Paul begins to lay out this concept of freedom, he doesn't say that it's freedom without doing something. He doesn't say that it's freedom without responsibility. He doesn't say it's freedom without pursuing something. You see, Jesus has come to give you liberty. He's come to give you freedom. I mean, one of the simple ways for me to help you see this is that a train, a locomotive, and I love the sound of trains. Ever since I was a little kid, I'd sit at my grandparents' place, and they lived downtown in the city where they lived, and the trains would go by every night, and I would lay in this little bed by the window, and I would hear that train go by. Just to this day, every time I hear a train, it just kind of warms my heart. <laughs> just takes me back to my, you know, being with my grandpa, sleeping in the same room with him. I love him so much. It's like this. You take a locomotive. It has all the power and all the, all the whatever, that drive behind it to pull literally millions and millions and millions of pounds of weight. But it's only good as long as it stays on the track. The moment that train goes off the track, gets taken off the track, however it comes off the track, the moment it gets off the track, it is no longer free to move forward. That's exactly what happens in the life of the believer. See, the Holy Spirit has created you to live free. But you have to walk with Him. You have to walk and step with Him. Therefore, it brings us to the second challenge that we all have. I call it the great human struggle. It's the struggle that every single person has in this room with their flesh. Every person in this room has a struggle. Can you put the next slide up for me, please? Every person in this room 
has a struggle with the flesh. In Galatians chapter 5, verse number 17, Paul says, For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with one another. Don't you know this? Don't you instinctively already know this within yourself? There's a part of you that wants to do right, but there's another part of you that seems to be bent on doing wrong. I mean, you see it in a child from the time they're the very, very youngest of age. You see them, you know, you'll say, don't do something. You know, because you know, the word every child learns, the very first word is what? No, no, don't do that. No, 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 no. There's something in us that wants to resist authority. It's our human nature. We're bent towards it. Paul said, all have sinned. Every person in this room has sinned. Here's the deal. We're a believer. We're born again. We've accepted Christ. But it's kind of like what happened to me yesterday. Yesterday, I went to Starbucks. Now, we've been on, at City Church here, we've been on what we call the Daniel Fast for the last week. And if you've been on the Daniel Fast, and I just thank you for joining me. Today, we're going off the Daniel Fast, but I feel really good. I got, I mean, not just spiritually do I feel good, but I got a little positive. I just got a little put a plug in here for eating healthy and taking care of yourself. I love coffee. Anybody here like coffee? I love coffee. I'm a coffee-like connoisseur. I got my, we got our own beans. We grind our own beans. We keep them in the freezer. And I love coffee. The challenge that I have with this, I just can't have one cup. <laughs> or two cups. Or three cups. <laughs> oh, I know it's terrible, isn't it? So I went to the doctor last week, and they do my blood pressure, and it's the highest it's ever been. This was before I started the Daniel like, whoa, boy, this is not good. You know, I pride myself. I always had a little blood pressure, but my blood pressure is going up. It's, in the da- it's starting to move into the danger zone. And so we started this Daniel Fast within five days. So I, I went, my blood pressure was 153 over 88 the last time I checked it. And I was getting a little nervous. And I went five days on a Daniel Fast, no coffee, strict vegetable, vegetarian diet. And my blood pressure went from 153 to 123 over 88. All right, that's good for me. Good for me. But yesterday I went to Starbucks. And I just sat in Starbucks. And I studied, I worked on this message, and I was thinking about, "Mm, I could just, I love the smell of Starbucks. Oh, I loved it, I loved it. But I didn't have coffee. Why? Because I had the Holy Spirit in me, and I, I had said to the Lord that I won't drink coffee for a week. I was around it. But something interesting happened. My wife came pick me up. I got into the car, and, and we were getting ready to leave. And she goes, you smell like coffee. Because here's the struggle. Now, I'm going to use this little illustration. This is going to help us here, I hope. Now, just, you've got to go, this, these are natural things, right? This is just the couch. Everybody said, this is the couch. Okay, and uh, this is just Coca-Cola, and this is just Cheetos, and this is just a remote control. Got that? You you understand that? There's nothing inherently evil about these things, but they're going to represent something. They're going to represent the natural man. Paul said there are three kinds of people on the planet today. The first is the natural man. Everyone say natural man. And the natural man can't understand the ways of the Spirit. We just, you can't. You, you, it's impossible. If you're not born again, you have a family. Maybe you come to church and 
I've seen this happen so many times. People come to church and they really experience God. They get changed, but other people in their family aren't Christians yet. So they go back and they try to tell their family about what God did in them and how God did it. And they're like, what? Are you kidding me? They want you to do what? Give how much? Are you crazy? All the church wants is your money, right? So there's this natural man. They can't understand the ways of the Spirit. This natural man is represented by the couch. Here's the deal. Every single person in this room has been a natural man, myself included. Every single person in this room was a sinner in need of a Savior. Over here, I have what Paul says, we exercise ourselves towards godliness. Now listen, this is exercise equipment. Exercise doesn't make you godly, although it helps you. It helps you in the area of discipline. It helps you in the area with the, in the ability to say no. But it doesn't make you more spiritual because you exercise a lot or a little, none of that. But this table here represents good things, spiritual things. Your Bible and some worship CDs, Brenton Brown, never heard of them, John... Mark, medicine, whatever, never heard of it. These represent worship, prayer, doing right things, good things, right? So here's what happens. Natural man gets born again. And then the battle starts. Isn't that right? The war starts. I mean, before you were a Christian, I mean, before a Christian, I just sinned. I like to sin. I love to sin. As a matter of fact, this natural man over here, uh, and I got these because these are my very favorite I mean, this is my favorite food on the planet, coffee and Cheetos. I mean, you got coffee and, che- coffee and Cheetos and man shall live alone. I mean, I love Cheetos. I mean, I, I love everything about Cheetos. I love the, with the smell. Now, I'm still in my Daniel Fest till after third service because it'll be after 12 o'clock. So I'm restraining self-control. But right now, I'm just wanting to open this bag up, put my hand down in there. And then put it in my mouth. And then I love, you know what I really love about Cheetos? I love that, I love that orange color that my fingertips turn, you know? Because it just, it kind of keeps, you know, it, it keeps me just going all day. Just put your fingers in there. And you just love Cheetos. And, and this is the natural man. Oh, I, lo- I love it. I love to drink. I love to yell at people. I mean, whatever. I mean, natural man just loves to do all kinds of things. Natural man loves to sit there, turn on the television. Oh, cool. That is, those girls are nasty. I mean, the natural man loves that. The natural man loves to do what it shouldn't do, but it doesn't know any better because it's the natural man. Here's the deal. Sinners sin. If you don't have a relationship with Christ, if the Holy Spirit isn't in you, you are bent towards sin. Now, natural man has the ability to say no to some things, and that's what keeps everybody from being in jail. Because they're lost. There was a movie that came out this year called Purge. I haven't seen it. I just heard about it. And it's basically all laws are removed in the United States of America for 12 days. You can kill, murder, do whatever you want. And that's exactly what happens. You can go to Key West tomorrow. You could have been in Key West this weekend. Or you go to New Orleans and Mardi Gras. You can go places in the world where there's no law, where there's completely free restraint. People do whatever they want to do. And guess what? Guess what? It's, it's just it's bad. All the things that Paul talked about, all the sins that Paul talked about, the works of the flesh. The first, he talked about sins having to do with sexuality. He talked about human sexuality and the perversion, and men are bent towards perversion. The natural man, natural man, wants to commit acts of sexual immorality, all kinds of sexual perversion. 
And then he talks about social sins. He, he talks about sins of hatred and anger and dissension and factions and murder and all heresies. He talks about all these things. He talks about all the kinds of sins that we commit towards other people and our attitudes and our actions and our deeds. And then he talks about spiritual sins. Very, very interesting when he talks about spiritual sins. He talks about witchcraft and idolatry. Witchcraft, he said, there are sins of the flesh. They're obvious. They're obvious. You know, horoscope, tarot cards, Ouija boards, all those kinds of things that, that take people into a demonic realm. Certain music is just bent on darkness. I remember when I was a kid, there were whole bands dedicated to worshiping Satan. And they're still out there today. There's all kinds of people that they love the darkness. They're works of the flesh. The word witchcraft is interesting because the word witchcraft comes the word pharmakia in our culture today. And pharmakia, the word pharmakia literally means drugs. That's what it comes from. And the concept there, and Paul was talking about, is that people would mix their drugs with their, with their spiritual experience and have some kind of out-of-body high or some kind of thing. The interest in our culture today, our culture today, a wash drugs, people looking to get out of themselves to find another reality. So he talks about sexual sins. He talks about social sins. He talks about spiritual sins. And then he talks about sins of addiction. These are all sins that the natural man struggles. People struggle and they want to change. You know why they want to change? Many times it's because they want to be relieved of the consequences. But they don't necessarily want to stop. The natural man is presented with the truth of God's love. The natural man is presented with the truth that God so loved them and gave his only son to die for them and give and, and to give his life for them so they could live free. And that natural man all of a sudden hears, not just with his ears now, but he hears with his heart. He says, I believe. I receive. And the natural man begins to walk towards the things of God. But all of a sudden they feel this tension. They feel this struggle. Feel a struggle. We all feel it. We all feel the struggle of sin. You see, because it's like me sitting in that coffee shop. We smell it. It looks good. We remember. We have all those kinds of memories. But the natural man leads us to death. A friend of mine several years ago, we actually started a church together in Seattle, Washington. We were best friends. He came to me. This is probably about eight or nine years ago. And he said, you know, because I've been, I've been hiding something. I've been living a lie. He said, you know, I've been living a lie. He said, I've been struggling with the sin of homosexuality. He said, no, I don't want to struggle anymore. He goes, I just can't. He just, the struggle's too hard. I said, really? We just went on to a conversation. He said, yeah, I'm not going to struggle. I'm just going to go this direction. And today, he's full-blown into that lifestyle. It's not the worst sin. It's just a number of sins that keeps us, keeps us from the kingdom of God. But he said something very interesting to me. He said, I'm tired of the struggle. And here's the reality, folks. As long as you're in this flesh, there's going to be a spiritual battle. There's going to be a spiritual battle. And that's where the Holy Spirit is in you. See, the Holy Spirit is in you because God has created you and enabled you to live free. He had some wrong theology. One, he thought that if he just gave in to whatever he was doing, he would really be free. But the fact is you're not free. You just become more enslaved. You just give in to whatever it is, whatever the sin is. You just give in to it. You just become more entangled and more warped and more twisted. The second thing he believed that the struggle was bad. The fact is the struggle in your life isn't bad. The struggle is good. The struggle makes you dependent upon God. 
See, when I recognize, when I recognize today that, you know, this struggle in my life, I can't do this. I do like to do sinful things. It's my natural man. And I realize that without God, it's impossible for me. See, the struggle in your life is good because it makes you dependent upon God. It teaches you how to pray. It teaches you how to go into the Word and find answers for yourself. The struggle is good. The struggle is not the problem. The struggle is how you perceive the problem today. See, we all struggle. We all fall short of the glory of God. Every single person in this room. We once, we once were lost, but now we see. See, Paul the Apostle said, I once was this way. I was once an old nature, an old person. I did exactly what I wanted to do. But today, I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. See, you're a new creature in God. Amen. You can give the Lord a praise this morning. problem that I find in my life. Maybe you've experienced this too. Natural man, spiritual man. I love it. I just, I feel really, I feel really spiritually. This has been a great week for me spiritually. Seeking the Lord, times alone, reading my Bible. But last week, I had a bad week. I lost my temper. I lost my temper for somebody. Just I could feel it. You know where it's like in here and it starts to come up and you're like, I'm not going to say it, I'm not going to say it, I'm not going to say it. And boom! I said it. Right? The natural man has a tendency to want to go back to this couch. The natural man wants to... The, spirit, the, the carnal man wants to go back to the couch. And carnality and Christianity are oxymorons. Paul says you can't live this way. If you're going to be a follower of Christ, you, you can't keep doing those kinds of things. There is a solution. There is an answer. There is a way. Paul never tells us how to do it. He just tells us who does it for us. His name is Jesus. Who changes you today? Who gives you hope today? Who gives you life today? Who do you worship today? Who's the focus and the object of your affection and your attention today? It's Jesus. It's an all-or-nothing-sum game. It's, it's you're all-in or you're not in. It, there's no such thing as walking between the two. You can't have it both ways. Oxymorons are, are kind of like two words that don't go together. Jumble shrimp. I mean, they just don't work. That's what carnal Christianity is. God says, no, i got a better way. i got a better way for you. It's called the way of love. The way of love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Love's the highest goal. God loves you. God changes you. My brothers and sisters, you were called to be free, but don't use your freedom to indulge the lust of your flesh. The fruit of the Spirit, but humbly serve one another in love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. So what do we do from here? So what? What does this mean to us? How do we get free? How do we walk and step with the Holy Spirit today? How do we truly live for you? Number one, we've got to humbly admit that we can't do this on our own. You must humbly admit your inability to live free on your own. I know the tension. There's nothing good in me. We have a minister here at City Church called Celebrate Recovery. And the very first letter is R. The very first letter is R. And the R stands for realizing I'm not God. 
admit that I'm powerless to control my tendencies to do the wrong things, and my life is unmanageable. You've got to admit that. You've got to come humbly before God. The second thing, you must believe that the Holy Spirit is in you and will empower you. The Holy Spirit lives in you. He's going to empower you today. Look at the Bible says, I am, Paul says, don't you know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit lives in you? He lives in you today. The moment you accept Christ, His Spirit comes into you. But not only does He come into you, He empowers you. Paul said, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. He gives you the power. He gives you the ability. He gives you the grace. He gives you the love. He gives you the joy. He gives you the peace. He gives you the patience. He gives you the goodness. He gives you the meekness. He gives you the mercy, which is new every morning. He gives it to you. It's a free gift. But you've got to believe He's in you today. You're not a victim of your circumstances. Today, God is with you. Yes, there will be spiritual conflict. Don't be ignorant today. Satan hates you, wants to destroy your life. He wants to destroy your family. He wants to destroy your marriage, your business, your physical body. He hates your life. He's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But we stand firm today. Why do we stand firm? Because God's spirit and power is in us. Don't give up today. Don't quit. So what? You fell back to the couch. So, so what? You went back yesterday or the day before. Listen, I want you to know today, today is a brand new day in God. Today is a brand new day. God is a God of new beginnings. Today we choose the walk in the Spirit. It's a work of self-discipline. It's not of my own strength or my own power. Paul said, runners don't run without a goal. And I don't box by beating my fist in the air. But I keep my body under subjection. See, God's made a way out for you today. God's made a way out for you today. God's made a way for you. And it's one word. It's the word surrender. You've got to surrender it all. You've got to surrender the couch completely to God. You've got to give it up. You've got to say, Lord, I don't want that. I'm going to turn my back. God, I'm walking away from that. And I'm walking the path. I'm walking the path that you have for me. It's a daily choice. It wasn't a one-time choice in my life. It's been a choice over and over and over and over again. General Vo Young Nam Giap. <laughs> That's his name. He was the general that led the Vietnamese army in victory in two great wars. First one was against the French in the 1950s. Literally destroyed colonialism under the French Empire. He also was a general that led the Vietnamese against the United States. He was called one of the most ruthless generals that ever lived. He was willing to do whatever it took. He was willing to do whatever it took to beat his adversary. He was dwarfed by military power. He was just a ragtag bunch of small peasants. And they caused the United States Army to leave their nation that they thought they so easily could conquer. And listen to what he says. He says, surrender is not in my vocabulary. Any army fighting for freedom has a creative energy to achieve things its adversaries can never expect or Imagine, I will never surrender. I don't care that I fell down yesterday. I'm not going to surrender to the ways of the flesh. I'm not going to surrender to my old way of life. I'm not going to surrender to pornography. I'm not going to surrender to alcohol. I'm not going to surrender to the things that keep me stuck and in bondage and keep me with a sense of loss and defeat. But today, I'm choosing. What am I choosing today? I'm choosing to surrender my life and to run to Jesus. Oh, listen to this verse here. 
Are you tired? Are you tired of the battle? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me. And you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Wow. So what? So what happens if we don't do this? What happens if we don't do this? There's a stern warning. There's a very stern warning. Paul says, if you continue on the couch and you don't change your ways, you continue to live that way, you won't inherit the kingdom of God. That means you won't go to heaven. That's pretty clear. Ouch. Ooh. Ow. It hurts. Uh, if you don't, if you don't make the decision, I'm not talking about being perfect here. You're not, you're not hearing me today. If you believe I'm saying being perfect, no, no. I'm talking about getting on the track. I'm talking about walking with God in the daily business, daily, your daily life, surrendering to the Lord. You forfeit the blessing of living the abundant life today. So much pain in our world. So many marriages. So many Christian marriages. I... Guys, I've been doing this so long now, and sometimes I'm thinking, my God, just get down on your knees and pray and ask God to forgive you. You don't need to run to this counselor and take that medicine. You, I, you know, I know what you need. You just need to get down on your knees and say, God, forgive us. We've been acting like Danielings and four-year-olds, and please help me today. I mean, so much of it's that. So much is really just saying, God, I surrender my life to you. Here's the other. Here's the real, here's the real, the, the saddest consequence to me. Not just about you, but it's your children. It's your children. Because your, your children see who you really are. You'll pass it on to the next generation. And that's sad. I want you to close your eyes. The Holy Spirit's speaking to us today. I want you to take just this moment and say, Holy Spirit, what are you asking me? What are you saying to me? Is there something in your life that you know, something in your life that keeps pulling you back to the couch and you just keep giving in? And Jesus is saying, come to me. Come to me. I know you're tired, Jesus says. I know you're worn. I know you tried over and over and over. Come to me. Get away with me. Today is your moment. Today is your opportunity to come to Jesus. You're here today and you've never accepted Christ. My first invitation today is for those who've never, never made a profession of faith. You've never asked Jesus to come into your life. You know about God, but you've never given your heart fully to him. The second person I'm speaking to is the person, the Christian just pray, just ask Christ to come to their life, but they find themselves drawn back to an old way. Today, they just, they're sensing in their heart they want to be free. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. There's a quest and a desire in your heart to be free, to walk with God. If you're here this morning, you're either one of those people, either one of those people this morning. I want you to, I want you, when I count to three, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Come on, right now. Anyone in this room? See the hand. See those hands. Hey guys, can you turn the house lights off for me just a little bit, please? Amen. Can we stand together this morning? The Holy Spirit's just speaking to hearts. Come on, I know there's more than one person here that God's speaking to today. Thank you for taking time this morning. Thank you for opening your heart to the Lord. But if you're a believer today and you're wrestling with something, I just want you to open your hands before the Lord right now. I want you just to open your hands before the Lord right now. Come on, just open your hearts, open your arms. God wants to fill you fresh today. There were several people in this room and you raised your hand. And you don't know the Lord. You don't know the Lord today. You're not, you've never experienced His grace. You've never experienced that forgiveness. You know in your heart you're not on the right track. I want everyone to say this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I admit today that I've lived my own life. But I believe today that you came to live inside of me.
I want you to change my heart today. Give me a new life, a fresh start. I need you to show me the way. Help me today to live for you all the days of my life. Amen. You prayed that this morning. I believe God is doing something in your life right now. I'm going to take this moment. I'm going to speak to the Christian. I'm going to speak to the believer. There's been a wrestle in your heart. There's been a wrestle in your life. We're going to declare. We're going to sing this song, Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. And I believe as we begin to surrender, we're going to surrender our arms and our hands to the Lord. Right where you're at, God's going to minister grace to you. Strength is going to be your portion. You're going to come to Jesus. Come, there's, God inhabits the praises of his people. And as you begin to worship this morning, God is going to bring freedom to your life. Come on, let's worship the Lord this morning.